Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, the State Department is on a hiring surge for data scientists. The agency is launching this effort off the success of a government-wide hiring effort led by the Office of Personal Management last year. Here to talk all about this and more is Joel Nante, the chief data scientist at the State Department. Joel, thanks for joining me. Thank you, George. It's great to be here. There's a lot going on in the State Department right now in terms of data, and I think the really big focus here is this data hiring initiative that is coming soon, I believe. Tell me how this uh, this idea got started and the current progress on that initiative. No, thank you, Jory. Uh, it is really, really exciting. Um, so happy to be here to talk about it. And I'll actually just say the impetus to me is even a little bit more exciting because it really comes out of the fact that there is uh, an increasing demand for data scientists and data analytics here at the Department of State. So it really is based on a need for the department. And we're looking at what is the best way to hire and bring data science talent to the Department of State. So we've built on what the department participated in last year, which was an OPM U.S. federal agency-wide data scientist hiring initiative to do something similar for the Department of State specifically. So last year's initiative was open to all federal agencies of which the department participated. And I think we hired the most data scientists from that hiring initiative. There's even more demand here at the Department of State this year. And so what we've decided to do was partner with our Global Talent Management Office, which is the department's Human Resources Bureau, to open up a data scientist hiring opportunity for positions across the Department of State in a number of different offices and bureaus. I think we're up to 18 bureaus and offices now that are interested in hiring from this initiative. And they're interested in hiring uh, potentially more than 50 data scientists to the department uh, in the next year. So we are at the place where we're actually finalizing everything for the job announcement. We are going to have a public webinar to describe, you know, give a little bit more information to uh, interested people about what it's like doing data science here at the Department of State, you know, doing data analytics and data science for foreign policy, as well as what it's like to apply for a federal government job, because many people, you know, especially if they've not yet been in the public sector, uh, sometimes that can be a little bit different uh, than what they're used to. So once we have that outreach event, uh, announcement should be open uh, mid-April. Once candidates apply, they'll go through a number of steps to be reviewed by a, a panel of subject matter experts. And then uh, all candidates who qualify will be available to start being interviewed by hiring managers throughout the Department of State. And then hiring managers can schedule interviews and make selections from the CERT to start the process of onboarding folks. Going back to the government-wide data science hiring initiative you said that the State Department hired the most data scientists from that effort. In terms of ballpark numbers, do you know how many data scientists the agency hired during that? I believe we hired, the Department of State hired um, between 25 and 30 data scientists. All right. Wow, that's pretty impressive. You know, I understand this is not just any hiring event here, but this is a hiring initiative that is using a very particular process here, the subject yep. matter expert qualification assessment or SMEQA. Rolls right off yes. the tongue, I know. To help me better understand why this, we're seeing this play out more and more, a lot of agencies are taking advantage of this. What are the advantages of SMEQA and how does SMEQA help overcome some of the perhaps traditional challenges associated with federal hiring? 
No, absolutely. So I'll give kind of my perspective and I'll, I'll just ground that in the fact that, uh, you know, I'm not a human resources expert. I've been a hiring manager for many years, you know, so I can speak to that perspective and we work closely with our HR experts, but I'll kind of give you an overview of why that's beneficial from an agency's perspective, as well as uh, beneficial from an applicant's perspective. So in the SMEQA process, what it really means is it takes the burden of reviewing applicants' qualifications for a specific skill category off of the HR technicians and the HR experts, as well as kind of off the individual applicants who in a normal situation have to basically self-attest to their qualifications based on, you know, oftentimes it's a questionnaire through the application process where they're required to read kind of paragraphs, you know, that are put up by hiring managers and HR reps and determine whether they're a good fit and whether they meet those requirements and basically then have to self-attest. And Again, that self-attestment then gets reviewed and hiring managers then can interview folks. The difference here is it takes away that self-attestment and it takes away kind of those wordy paragraphs that are trying to get people to figure out whether or not they fit with that. And it really tries to provide a way forward to just say, this is the job category. These are the qualifications for that job category, but submit to us your resume, your applications. And this is going to be looked at not just from an HR perspective, but also from subject matter experts who are doing that work within the agency already. In addition to that, we're going to give applicants a skills assessment, basically like a take-home test of different data science skills and techniques, which again, then gets reviewed by the subject matter experts within the Department of State that do data science work already. So this is actually a lot more akin to what a data scientist would experience in the private sector as well. Oftentimes, uh, you know, the interviews have both components of, you know, talking about their experience, their background, their education, you know, prior history, but also typically like a skills-based assessment where it's really down to their data science skills. So it's taking that work off of somebody showing through a self-attestment that they are able to, and it's matching more and more what they're likely to see in the private sector. What we found, especially last year with the SMEQA process that OPM ran and that we've experienced within the Department of State for other SMEQA type events is it's an easier process for applicants, especially those unfamiliar with applying to you know federal government jobs typically. And we tend to get a higher number of candidates through the process that are actually good fits as referenced by you know being selected by hiring managers for those positions. So I think from both perspectives, it does a better job of matching the right applicants, the right candidates to the right jobs. That's great to hear. And it just seems that there was a lot that it took to run up the chain, so to speak. And so the SMEQA seems to streamline a lot of those processes and make sure that there is a qualified pool of candidates, a pretty generous pool of qualified candidates by the end of this process. Yeah, absolutely. The other attribute that is unique this year is there's a new OPM approved data scientist job series for, for civil servants. So it's the GS1560, which is only a number that you'll remember if you live and work in the bureaucracy of this. But it's really exciting because this is Again, a manifestation that the federal government understands the value of data scientists and data analytics to the mission of the U.S. government. So it's really exciting to see federal hiring and career paths catching up with, you know, where the private sector is and acknowledging that, you know, there is a lot of need and demand for these skill sets and really trying to then build out not just what it looks like to get hired into a position, but, you know, what it looks like to have a career in the federal government as a data scientist. Great. I know that OPM data science job series was a long time coming and seems like yeah. the State Department is actually able to make a difference with that job series. 
Yes, absolutely. You know, we're, you know, this is just, you know, the beginning of it obviously is bringing people on board, but we're also, you know, really focused on building out, you know, what does professional development for data scientists look like? What does their, you know, career trajectory look like? We imagine we're going to be competing with the private sector. And so, you know, what do we need to do to look at as far as recruitment and retention incentives or benefits, you know, based on that? Because again, it's the federal government is uh, is a place that a lot of people come for a lot of different reasons. Oftentimes, though, uh, there's a big component of public service motivation. And so, you know, really wanting to contribute to the mission is a big thing for a lot of things. And, and we expect this to be the same on the, on the data scientist side. You know, we can't offer everything that the private sector offers, but I think we offer things that the private sector cannot offer in terms of mission and contribution and impact based on the work that people are going to be doing. Zooming out here, we were talking earlier about the OPM-led effort here government-wide. It seems like there's been a lot of lessons learned there. You know, I'm just kind of curious, is there a community of practice here? Is there a playbook that you guys draw from in all of this? Because we're seeing more and more instances of this play out here. I don't know that there's a playbook necessarily, but I think we're, we're all trying to draft it. Um, there's been a lot of close coordination between different agencies sharing best practices, you know, what's working for them, what's not working for them, both on, you know, the HR side. And, and this goes back to something that is really important to actually making data-driven decisions in the, in the government and implementing, you know, data analytics and advanced analytics in the federal government is cultivating uh, the workforce and the culture of the workforce, you know, data literacy across the board. And that includes hiring, you know, specialists like data scientists, um, but also, you know, training existing workforce of how to understand and work with data and leverage data in the, the policy and operational decisions they need to make day in and day out. So I would say kind of it fits into a number of playbooks. Definitely at the department, we launched the enterprise data strategy for the Department of State in December as well. This is a component of that. We see this tying into the goals of the Department of State's enterprise data strategy through that mechanism of increasing the aptitude of the workforce by bringing in specialists like this and putting them in offices and bureaus where they can really you know, use their skills to make an impact on foreign policy initiatives and priorities. And that's not dissimilar to what we're talking with our colleagues in other federal agencies as well. And it's really, how do we build these paths towards, you know, the increased use of data for policy decisions, as well as operational decisions. And a big part of that is always going to be the workforce and the skills and the techniques that the workforce are using to inform leadership who are making those decisions. You said that the State Department is looking to hire roughly like 50 data scientists as part of this latest effort. But I understand that like there can be kind of like a rolling hiring process in this too, that there's like a a certificate or a cert of all these qualified candidates that if if jobs open up down the line that you can more quickly contact those qualified candidates and say, hey, great news, we have an opening and you made the short list. How would you like to now work for this field? Is that something I yeah. have roughly correct? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. One of the big benefits to this, I mean, again, there's there's so many to this process. Uh, and again, not being an HR expert, but you know, from the other side, uh, you know, what this means is, you know, we have, a, like I said, we have 18 bureaus and offices lined up right now. They're interested in hiring, but we know as we discuss this and as we're, you know, rolling it out and getting close to actually uh, doing the job announcement, we're hearing from other offices and, and bureaus as well that are also interested. And, you know, maybe they don't have an opening right now that they can hire from this, but they expect to have an opening in a number of months. Uh, and and again, one of the other benefits of this is we are you know identifying a pool of candidates who are qualified and interested in, in jobs here at the Department of State, 
And we expect this pool of qualified eligible candidates to be available many months from now so that even a job that is not open now, but maybe open three months from now, that hiring manager can easily reach into this pool of candidates uh, interview from folks that are still available, still interested in working at the Department of State and make a selection from that, which again, you know, in the normal process, you know, would require that office to create their own position description, you know, do their own job hiring announcement for like one position that may not get as much interest or attention. And it's definitely a lot more work for that office to do that from an individual job perspective, rather than the department, you know, saving energy, time and resources to do this from a department-wide perspective. We're speaking with Joel Nante, the chief data scientist at the State Department. We're going to take a short break, but we're going to continue our conversation when we return. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. Welcome back to All About Data. We're speaking with Joel Nante, the chief data scientist at the State Department. Joel, before the break, we were talking about some of the finer details about this data scientist hiring initiative. To drill down on this a little bit further, what are some of the skills that the State Department is looking for in data scientists? It seems like it's a lot of cross-cutting work here. What are some of the disciplines that they need to be the most versed in? You know, I think this is really important, and this is this was actually a very both a technical and a philosophical conversation we were having with our colleagues in our HR Bureau of Global Talent Management is Department of State is not a statistical agency. We're a foreign policy agency. And therefore, you know, when we're looking not at the the data scientists we currently have, but also the data science skills and techniques that we are going to benefit the most from, as well as the data scientists out there that are most likely to be interested working for the Department of State, it's not necessarily data scientists who have uh, you know, very hard statistical or mathematical degrees. Oftentimes what we see is data scientists who have done a lot of their education and experience in social science fields or of foreign policy, international relations, political science, with, you know, strong quantitative and methodological focuses. So, you know, I think this does look different for different agencies. I have colleagues who are, you know, the chief data scientist over at CDC and the the skills and, you know, backgrounds that they're looking for, but also the candidates that are interested may look a little bit different. So it's really kind of drilling down to what are those core competencies that are required by the data science skill code or job series from an OPM perspective, but then really, what does that look like from the Department of State's perspective? So obviously, you know, that quantitative mix of statistics and math and quantitative methods is important. You know, obviously we're looking for people, you know, that fit that data science rubric of, you know, having programming skills, you know, but we're, we're kind of agnostic as to specific programming languages, but just that they, you know, understand the, the benefit and have worked through those programming skills. But oftentimes that third piece of a data scientist is that domain expertise or that subject matter expertise. And therefore, you know, the data scientists that we're looking for oftentimes also have experience or interest in some of these social science fields. So applying their computer science and their mathematical skills and experience to foreign policy areas, to foreign relations or international relations areas, political science areas, because the work of the departments of state is often found in that realm. Again, there's a there's a diverse set of skill sets and backgrounds that I think 
are a really good fit for the Department of State. And this is an opportunity to make sure that we are opening our hiring aperture wide enough to really capture those diverse skills and backgrounds. Because beyond that, like you said, there's lots of different offices and bureaus in the Department of State. They may be looking for something just a little bit different, but ensuring that we kind of meet those broad categories, I think that will be an attractive fit for people who um, have done their education and have you know work experience in those areas. Okay, great. Yeah, that's a very rigorous set of uh, qualifications here. What kinds of work will these data scientists be put on to, uh, to tackle if they're brought on and, and hired in this uh, initiative? You know, I'd love to be able to give specific projects, you know, but those things change very often. And, and obviously offices and bureaus also have you know, their own specific criteria, but can give you some examples of different data science projects that have been done in the Department of State and talked in general terms. But the key takeaway is something that we are trying to apply is to match data analytics and data science up with the policy questions that leadership in the department have already. You know, So it's not a data science project that stands by itself, but how can we use data analytics to inform the policy and operational decisions that are happening anyway, that they're already the priorities? So a couple of examples you know, recently are strategic competition with China. You know, this is not just a data analytics project, but it's a big policy project that the Department of State is leading on, obviously. And how can we use data analytics and data science to support that initiative, to inform those decisions that need to be made? How can data scientists then, you know, work with subject matter experts across the Department of State to contribute to that important initiative? Similarly, on the other side, under the leadership of the department's uh, chief equity and diversity and inclusion officer, you know, how can data analytics and data science be used to inform the discussions of diversity here at the Department of State and equity here at the Department of State? And we found a number of things, again, not everything within that discussion is, you know, is is a data analytics or data science project, but there's a lot uh, that can be supported through data analytics and data science. And that really gets to the cultural aspect of making sure that we are a data-informed and data-driven agency. It's not setting up projects in silos by themselves, but it's how can we use these skill sets as an additive to the policy decisions and the work that's already going on in these areas. You mentioned earlier about the enterprise data strategy from the department, and I understand Secretary Blinken announced that as part of modernization of the State Department. Tell me, you know, what are some of the biggest goals for the agency under this data strategy? And what are like some of the targets to get there? The department didn't want to just release a strategy and say, you know, here's our strategy, but we're actually trying to put that into practice through tying the strategy and the milestones of that strategy to these overarching foreign policy and, uh, you know, management challenges that the department has. So the examples of strategic competition with China, as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion are, you know, secretary priorities. And so it, again, it's the data strategy. How does the data strategy support those uh, through analytics? So it incorporates a component of linking the work of data and data analytics uh, to the overall department strategy. I think you'll see when the uh, the joint strategic plan rolls out publicly for the Department of State and USAID, you'll see strong data components uh, woven through all of the agency's priority goals as well as across agency priority goals. And you know, really exciting part of the data strategy is the recognition that it's not just these analytics projects for decision making. It's also how do we educate the workforce to be able to use data in their day to day work 
how to leverage data as, as an asset in the work that they do. So there's a strong training component. There's a strong workforce empowerment component. How do we give the workforce the tools that they need to be able to use data more strategically? So some really interesting things happening here at the Department of State, you know, in line with that is and I think a recognition of the importance of this is for the foreign service officers, they have what are called precepts for what are the baselines that they qualify for promotion in the foreign service. And really exciting is, you know, the new precepts that have just been rolled out also recognize data analytics and the ability to make data-driven decisions as a core component of their professional development through their career. So I think more and more, you know, the department is looking at what are all these ancillary areas um, that support implementing a data strategy because it's not success is not implementing the data strategy. Success is measured by the Department of State leveraging data to make you know data informed decisions throughout. And so ultimately, like the plan of the data strategy is that it's not we succeeded on the data strategy. It's we succeeded in these other larger goals because the data strategy helped us leverage it there. But there's also some baseline things that I think every agency is still working with and working towards, which is, you know, in order to do these data analytics and make data informed decisions, how do we tackle our data management challenges as well? You know, how do we get data, break down those silos within agencies and with the interagency of, you know, making sure that we're sharing data across that people have access to all the data that they would need to be able to make analytical decisions? How do we increase the ability of our workforce to be able to do that um, by providing, you know, infrastructure, you know, like IT technology, which is something, you know, the, the federal government has always probably lagged behind uh, is, is a fair way to say that. But, you know, all of these baseline components are then needed to be able to empower the workforce to then be able to actually operationalize the valuable asset of data to make foreign policy decisions. That was Joel Dante, the chief data scientist at the State Department. You can find the full interview and transcript on federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. We'll be right back.